Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining me on episode 16 of the show about the show. As always, I am the host and creator of the show about the show, Devlin Clark. I would like to say thank you to those of you who have listened. I use Blog Talk Radio for recording this podcast, and I am able to look at demographics and numbers and things like that. And I would like to report that as of today, I have had my 500th total listen, which means that out of all the episodes I've done, people have listened to all the episodes combined over five, uh, 500 times exactly. So that is, for me, amazing because when I started this podcast, I didn't think it would be anything relatively close to that whatsoever. I was just trying to do a podcast that people would enjoy and people would like, and maybe I would have a few people listen and this and that and the other, but to know that I've had 500 total listens, I mean, it was, it's, it's pretty cool. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to be giving away a prize here in the next uh, couple of episodes or so. So be on the lookout for that. Also, I would like to say thank you to everybody for your patience. I have, I was in the process of moving. I know it's been a week or so since I put out my last episode. So Thank you to everybody who has retweeted, shared, commented, supported this podcast in any way, shape, or form. I cannot tell you how much it means to me to have your support. So I have a cool episode today. I have uh, Derek Wetmore from from 1500 ESPN. He's going to be joining me here momentarily. He is a Twins beat writer. He is currently down in Fort Myers, Florida with the team talking all things spring training. Derek is one of the uh, best and funniest guys to be around. If you ever follow him on Twitter, he is known as the guy who says non-zero for uh, chances or whatever the case may be. He is also heard regularly on Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. And he is also a co-host of the Touch Em All podcast with previous show about the show guest, Phil Mackey. So Derek is definitely busy. He's going to be joining us here shortly. Uh, Before he joins us, obviously, I do want to say that this podcast, like this episode, just like every other episode, is is dedicated to the memory of my dad, who taught me about baseball. I hope that uh I hope that he's happy with uh with what uh what we're doing and that he uh he likes it. So without any further ado, we are gonna talk some twins. We're gonna talk their talk about their off season and we're gonna talk a little bit more. So 
I'm I am pleased to have on 1500 ESPN's Derek Wetmore live from spring training. Hey, Derek. Hey, Devlin. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you? Pretty good. Getting through uh, spring training here. The Twins went out to Dunedin today, and I'm hanging back in Fort Myers. Okay, so they're playing the Blue Jays today, then, I'm guessing, in Dunedin? Yep, that's right. And Phil Hughes is making his start, uh, so I'm going to miss that one, but just getting some work done back in Fort Myers. Now, let's jump right in, Derek, because, you know, Phil Hughes is an interesting name. He's coming off the thoracic outlet surgery, and there's been a couple other pitchers that have had that in the bigs. What's – You've been around the team. What's 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 Hughes been saying, kind of about how he's been feeling, his velocity, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I saw Hughes' first start in spring training, and the velocity on his fastball has been one of the things I've been tracking. Uh, I mean, even going back to last spring, I was watching the numbers on the radar gun because I think not like that's the only measure of how well a pitcher is doing, but it's definitely one of those leading indicators where I'd say. You know, okay, if he's 93-94, pretty hard to say that he's not healthy. But if he's 88, then I think he'd have a pretty just cause to say, boy, is he not right? Is the, is the you know, shoulder, rib area, whatever, was causing the pain and discomfort? Is that still bothering him? So to that end, last spring I don't think we saw very many encouraging signs. In this first start, I saw him 89, 90, 91 even with his fastball. Um, I don't think that's necessarily all the way back for Phil Hughes, but an encouraging early sign. I talked with Hughes after that start, and he said that he feels pretty good at this point in spring, and I guess you'd say that, you know, if you're trying to increase (laughs) optimism around your performance. But with that being said, Hughes is also very realistic. He's matter-of-fact about saying – yeah, I feel pretty good, but let's see how I feel as camp goes on. He's he's realistic about his position, but he also talks about uh, the need to sort of prove himself and, and make this club out of spring training. Absolutely. And you, you touched on, you know, you touched on some something interesting where you were talking about when you were relating it to velocity, you know, you said, you know, if you see him at 92, 93, he's probably pretty healthy. But when he gets, when he loses velocity, and the name that came into my head was Glenn Perkins, because that seems, that seems to be the the name that sticks out to me, because that's that's kind of what happened to him, isn't it? I mean, he was 94, 95 with the slider, and then he started getting hurt, and it was you know 90, 91, 92, 88, 89. That's when it became a challenge for Glenn, as it was, you know. If he was 96 with the wipeout slider, okay, you got something there. But if it's 91, uh, big league hitters don't need to wait on that pitch. They don't need to be anticipating it. They can kind of just sit back and check, okay, is it breaking stuff? Is it off speed or is it a fastball? And if it's a fastball at 91, you can still go attack it. So different situation, of course. I mean, not necessarily drawing a line to compare what happened with Perkins and what's happened with Hughes. Um, but certainly a similar idea where you're looking at stuff and raw ability and what what do you have left in the tank? And so I guess that's the thing that we're watching with Hughes very closely this spring training. 
You're down in Florida, Derek. Uh, a couple couple big transactions the Twins made in the last week. They signed Logan Morrison to a one-year, $6.5 million deal with a vesting option, which can become two years, $16.5 million. They also acquired uh, Jake Odorizzi in a trade for Jermaine Palacios. You, uh, you're you down there in Florida. What was Odorizzi's first start like? He looked pretty good. Yeah, and well, and the numbers back that up too, Devlin. He he pitched two and two-thirds innings, and I think that part of the reason was he was looking to build up pitch count kind of quickly because, you know, they made the trade is two weeks ago today, and yesterday, as we're recording this, that was his first start in a Twins uniform. Everybody else had been through the rotation, and I kind of joked with Odorizzi afterwards. I said, uh, you know, you've been in camp for so long where you're getting itchy to get out there, and he said the rest of his teammates were wondering if he was even going to pitch this season, and he kind of <laughs> joked that he uh, finally, at long last, he'd earned his meal money uh, for, for pitching yesterday, so I thought that was a pretty funny line, and I used that in my story on our website. Uh, but he looked good, to be honest with you. I mean, if the fastball is there, 91, 92, and one of the things about Odorizzi to watch this season is the height of his fastball. You see some guys that try to pound the knees, pound down in the zone, and really be effective at the bottom of the strike zone. But I think you're going to see Odorizzi try to climb the ladder a little bit, and he did last year uh, with mixed results in Tampa Bay. Um, he gets some strikeouts up there, but he'll also give up some home runs. So that's going to be the pitch that I'm watching for him. He had it yesterday, and then that sets up his curveball, his splitter at the bottom of the strike zone. So for a first start, I really don't know what more you could ask for out of Odorizzi, and now I'm really curious to see him um, in another time. Because the one thing that I will say uh, is that Odorizzi looked good, but – he was facing a team entirely full of minor leaguers. The Blue Jays didn't bring anyone that I would consider a household name and uh, sort of violating, I guess, that spring training axiom of bringing a couple of regulars or a couple of big leaguers. So Odorizzi's numbers right. look really good, and his stuff looks good, but just with a grain of salt, he wasn't exactly facing the Josh Donaldsons of the world. Exactly, exactly. But he, he still, you know, I project him to be a number three three guy behind the Santana and Barrios. I've got my, my starting five is, uh, you know, when Santana comes back is, is Santana, Barrios, Odorizzi, Gibson, and then a combination of Phil Hughes, Adalberto Mejia, and fill in the blank. Um, is that a fair assessment? Is that kind of where the twins are leaning right now once Herb comes back? That's what it looks like to me, Devlin. I'd throw in Anibal Sanchez into that last mix there that you said, you know, take your pick. I'd say Sanchez is a name who has a chance, and so does uh, Aaron Sleggers. Don't sleep on Sleggers, who I think the Twins like a fair amount. Um, maybe a little more big league ready than somebody like a Felix Jorge. Um, he's just he's just closer to the big leagues than Sleggers, of course, you saw last year uh, with the Twins. But don't sleep on the fact too that I'm pretty sure that the twins are going to start the year with a four man rotation. I don't think that they're going to come out of the gate with five guys. Um, so I'll be really curious to see how they cut that down. What it looks like. Is it, you know, is it Borreo, Odorizzi, Gibson, 
and maybe Hughes or something? Is it those four? What do you do for those first couple weeks of the season when you can skip the fifth spot? That'll be a bit of drama here at the end of camp. And then you're right. Once Santana's back and they're up and rolling with their five-man staff, um, I think you I think you pretty much said the names in the same order that I'd say them there. There are some prospects to watch and things like that and guys you could see up at some point in the summer because obviously they're going to use more than five pitchers. They always do. But um, if everyone's healthy and things are going well for them, I think that's probably the right order. Let's talk a little bit about the other uh, Tampa Bay Rays that decided to become the Minnesota Twin, and that's Logan Morrison. People have been uh, clamoring for the Twins to sign or trade for Chris Archer and Jay- and Alex Cobb. But, you know, Logan Morrison had a good year last year. He hit uh, 38 home runs, and he provides some uh, – I think he's I think he's a, a lot more talented than Kenneth Vargas is, which, you know, it is disappointing because Vargas had so many chances. He's out of options, and he's a switch hitter. And it was reported this week that he has asked his agent to basically find him playing time somewhere else. Can you talk about what the reaction was like um, for the guys in the clubhouse upon hearing about the Lomo signing and then also any impressions that you've had from talking with Logan Morrison? Yeah, I think his teammates are excited. I think you see a guy hit 38 home runs the year before and you think, wow, this makes our lineup even better. And that was the general reaction. Um, Of course, Vargas has friends on the team, and so people are wondering, well, what does this mean for him? And and the book's not quite closed yet, but, yeah, Vargas told me this week that he's talking with his agent to see if he can find a new place to play because, as he told me, I've got no chance to play on this team right now. Um, What I will say on the other side of that, if you're the Twins, you're not beholden to – you know, honor a trade request or something like that. If they were to say, Hey, could you move us somewhere where Vargas could play first base and get 600 plate appearances? If you're the twins, you say, um, maybe like, you know, we get through spring training and if Morrison's healthy and Maurer's healthy and Sano's um, healthy and not suspended. Well, okay. Then there's not really any room for Vargas, but at that point, you maybe you put him on waivers and try to get him through. And if he doesn't get through, good luck. Or, you know, you DFA him and you try to work out a trade somewhere. So the Twins are going to have options. Sure. They can be patient. Um, obviously, you can understand the disappointment from Vargas's camp. But on the Morrison point, I think you're going to see him quoted a lot this year, Devlin. He, in his introductory press conference, had more one-liners than Thad Levine. And that's definitely saying something. Uh, Having Morrison in that clubhouse livens it up a little bit. I think that he's going to be a go-to guy for beat writers. Um, Not to say nothing of the fact that he's probably going to get 600 plate appearances as a primary designated hitter. Give you a chance to get Maurer off his feet a little more often. Maybe play some first base and spell Joe over there. Uh, It's it's definitely going to deepen the lineup. And you've seen the numbers against right-handed pitching this guy was incredible last year and uh i talked to a Rays analyst who knows morrison and knows his game fairly well and he said that i'm not buying fully into the third home runs but i do think he's changed as a player enough that you expect the power will carry over so i'm just curious to see how he follows up his breakout campaign from last year 
And it was actually Derek Wetmore, if you guys are subscribed to his five thoughts category, which if you're not, you should be. Find him on Twitter, and he can get you that email, and he can email you his five thoughts column. He said that during Logan Morrison's introductory press conference, Logan actually jokingly asked if anybody knew a lake house to rent down in Florida because he was looking. Right. Actually... He was talking about Minnesota. He's talking about for this summer, he wants to know if he can okay. get a place on a lake for his for his young child. Uh, and I don't think he was kidding. I think that's Logan Morrison. I think he just knew that he had the spotlight for a second and knew he was going to be looking for a lake house, and he just took that opportunity to ask, hey, is anybody renting? Let me know. And it's like that, that uh, sort of loose, way of of handling the press conference of not putting too much pressure on yourself i think uh i'll be curious to see how it plays out as twin season unfolds because i think he could be a a fairly popular guy among twin fans absolutely let's switch gears here derek um so it was reported this week on twitter by I don't remember who it was, but I I believe it was a national publication that basically said that at this point, Brian Dozier was quoted as saying that he expects to become a free agent this season at the end of the season, his four-year $20 million extension that he signed in 2014 is up. Obviously, you know, Dozier's one of the faces, if not the face of the franchise. He's a gold glove winner. He's a power-hitting second baseman. If you're the Twins, do you throw five years and $80 million or six years and $100 million at him to get him to stay? Because, you know, one, because not only of his accolades on the field, two, what he does off the field, Twins fast, all, the, all those kind of things, but also three, because you don't have any payroll um, for next season. Yeah, it's a complicated question, and there's a lot of layers to it. In short, I would say that I'd be fine if I was the Twins to walk into this year, Dozier's walk year, and say, let's see where this ends up. I I just don't think that I'd be tempted to throw those contract numbers at him that you mentioned. And a big part of that, it's not because I don't believe in Brian Dozier. I mean, his – performance speaks for itself and it's incredible you know at every turn lots of people doubted him including the guy that you're speaking with on the phone right now um and he's just continued to make us all look bad he's just flat out he's a ball player and the way that he has turned his career into you know a perennial all-star type candidate now a gold glover you mentioned face of the franchise it's exceptional and he deserves all the accolades that he gets for that well, with that being said, it's just you look at the free agent market, you look what happened this year, you see how inexpensive power has become, apparently. I mean, the Twins get Logan Morrison for what it might turn out to be as one year and $6.5 million if, if his vesting yeah. option doesn't kick in. That's a really cheap contract for a guy who just crushes it. And so right. I get that they're different players. Dozier also adds the positional value that Morrison doesn't add but I just don't see a reason why you need to lock him up right now, why you need to be proactive about it. Because if Dozier were to explore free agency next year, and let's say he finds a couple of suitors and a bidding war gets going and he gets paid, he gets a big payday, goes somewhere else. Well, it'd be disappointing on one hand for the Twins, but on the other hand, aren't you just about ready to see at that point what Nick Gordon can offer? 
as a shortstop or as a second baseman, or maybe there's some other, you know, sort of second tier second baseman that's out there that the twins would be able to sign for a more affordable contract in free agency. I think if Dozier was 26, this would be a different conversation, but I just don't sure. know that you want to sign some kind of big long-term contract that takes him into his late thirties. Um, as much as I like Dozier and as great of a guy as he is and how helpful he is with the media constantly facing the music, whether the twins won or lost. Um, I, I respect and appreciate all those things about him. I just don't think I'd feel compelled if I was the twins for an office to make some sort of long-term lucrative contract offer. Not, not this off season anyway. Let's do uh let's do a little uh, true false. Yes. No kind of thing. I'm going to give you some names and you tell me if they are going to be on the opening day roster for the Minnesota twins. Um, Sounds so good. will Miguel will Miguel Sano be in the opening day roster or opening day lineup? I'd say no, just because it's there's too much left up in the air. He's got to prove health and the has to get by the suspension possibility. So just because of those two variables add up, I'd say uh, obviously there's a non-zero chance he will be, but I would say. Forced into a yes, no, I'm going to go no. Chris Archer. No. Lance Lynn. I think also no. Alex Cobb and Jake Arietta. Or Jake Arietta. Yeah, I'm going to go no and no. I really do think that the Twins are done making moves um, unless something crazy happens, some dramatic shift in the asking prices for any of those free agents or the Tampa Bay Rays for Archer. I just I think that they've done what they're going to do this offseason, and they'll start with the club that they've got. True or false, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Devil, and this might surprise you, but I've never seen Die Hard. Oh, man. That, you know, I, I listen to you and Phil on the podcast talking about all the classic movies that you haven't seen, and I think Rocky, yeah. or one of the Rocky yeah. movies, is another one. Um, yep. You know, Phil will, will take it to his grave that, that Die Hard is a Christmas movie, and everybody else says it's an action movie, so... Um, yeah, that's funny. Uh, I wish I could weigh in on that debate, but this is one of those movies that people are stunned that I haven't seen and that I just haven't seen it. Absolutely, absolutely. Do you – so You look. we look at the Twins. We look at, you know, the division. I tweeted something um, here recently that – Despite all the moves the Twins have made, they've you know strengthened their bullpen, and this was before the Logan Morrison signing. Despite all the strength in the bullpen, even with the Logan Morrison signing now as well, a lot of national writers are still picking the Indians to be just way above everybody else in the AL Central. And the Indians have lost. They lost Joe Smith last year. They lost Brian Shaw this year, and they lost Carlos Santana this year. Doesn't that speak to how well the Indians are? Yeah, I mean, the fact that they can endure those losses and still be considered, I think, kind of the runaway favorite in the Central. I think the Twins are going to be competitive, and they're certainly the second-best team in the Central. I don't think they have 
much competition for that crown. But yeah, I mean, you nailed it. The Indians were that that just shows you how much better they were last year. We were all, you know, surprised right. and impressed by the Twins winning 85 games. You got to remember, the Indians won 102. I mean, that was one of the teams of the year, no doubt about it. And for them to sustain some losses and uh, now they do expect some health. So it could be like some internal addition. Um, let's see what they get from Brantley. Let's see Carrasco, you know, Kluber pitching a sure. full season, Andrew Miller, they still have the household names. So um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just uh, blown away by where the Indians are at. And um, I don't necessarily see their reign ending anytime soon. It It's going to depend on the moves they make, you know, in season this year and then of course next winter is going to be the big one but um yeah i mean they're the best team in the division i think they're one of the best teams in baseball i saw i think buster only picked them as a world series team this year and uh boy there's a lot of really good teams in the american league but i don't know that anyone would be shocked to see the indians get there absolutely Let's uh, let's finish up with this, Derek. I'm going to let you go here. I know it's just about lunchtime where you're at. Um, That's right. You're down there with one of my absolute favorite people in Pat Royce. Can you give me a funny Pat Royce story from this year, spring training, or maybe a quip or uh, something? Uh, well, the funny thing about Pat is that he's just an open book. I, I was uh, – he was kind enough to let me stay with him for the first couple of weeks that I was down here in Fort Myers. He owns a condo down here. Um, and we had some great times. Uh, the Odorizzi trade broke when we were out at dinner. And so, you know, we all, this was Saturday night. And so Pat and I drove back and we were both up right until whatever, some early hour in the morning. Um, and that was a lot of fun, but then, you know, then he'll go on Twitter and he'll just, uh, just <laughs> ravage me to fans and say something along the lines of how I like to eat salads or how I'm I, here, here, this is probably my favorite one. I'm sitting at the ballpark and I open up Twitter and I see just a bunch of people um, that had messaged me. And I thought, well, that's unusual. I, I mean, usually I'll see like one or two or something like that, but I, I don't think I tweeted anything controversial. Like what happened? Well, then I scroll back and it turns out that Pat tagged me in a post and he had said, I've been sober for 36 years and one month today. And my roommate, 50 years younger than me, is the most boring person living in the house. And everyone just flooded into my Twitter to to point me out to that insult and all of that stuff. And I guess I was a little surprised by it, caught off guard. But then at the same time, I thought, no, that's Pat. He's going to just wear it. He's going to, he's going to air that out there. Uh, and, and people see sort of the, um, what's this, what's the word I'm looking for? He, they see the agitator side, but what I'd also right. be quick to point out is that, okay, yeah, he's poking me. He's agitating me for that, but we're also still friends and going to go out for dinner that night. And he's being, abundantly generous by letting me stay at his place. Like people don't see that side. And I try to tell them, I try to make people aware of that as often as possible, even though he'd hate if I made them aware of that. I just, I know he wouldn't like that, but here I am saying it on your podcast. So I guess it's out there. The secret's out. uh, Pat's a lot uh, nicer and a lot friendlier than I think that the agitator persona on Twitter and the radio would let you believe. 
Absolutely, absolutely. I had a uh, I had a humorous run in with him a couple of years ago at Twins Fest. It was on uh, it was oh, yeah. on a Saturday. It, it it was down on the third level where they have the dealers and the clubhouse and stuff. And and I was wa- I was carrying my stuff and I was walking past him and I and I was like, oh, that's Pat Royce. And I was like, hey, Pat. And I kind of put my hand on his shoulder and you know, said, hey, Pat, I love your work, and I kept walking, and I turned back, and he gave me, like, the biggest death glare I've ever had in my life. Like, yeah. he just <laughs> death glared me, like he was going to call security and have me thrown out of Twin Fest, so. That's funny, although I'll say, having not been there but knowing Pat a little bit, my guess is he was just trying to figure out how he knew you, and there was some story somewhere that he was going to be able to pull out for the connection. Sure. And yeah, I would uh, right. I think it'd be a safe bet that he wasn't going to have you thrown out or anything like that. <laughs> Just my guess. Right. The death stare was great. I I've, I've never been I've never been that nervous in my entire life. So That's All right, well, I'm gonna, I'm going to let right. I'm going to let you get going. You guys can find Derek on 1500 ESPN's Mackie and Judd regularly from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. You can find him and Phil Mackie on the Touch 'em All podcast, which can be found on Podcast One as well as iTunes. If you don't have Podcast One, download it. If you don't have iTunes, get it not only for this podcast, but also for Derek's podcast. And you can also get his five thoughts column. I'm a subscriber to that. It is great. He sends it out multiple times a week. Find him on Twitter at Derek Wetmore, and he will get you all set up with the five thoughts column. Derek, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the show today and giving me some of your time and talking some twins, and I hope we can do it again in the seasons. Yeah, sounds good, Devlin. Thanks for having me. Hey, appreciate it. Enjoy, enjoy your day. Thanks, Derek. All right, bye now. All right, everybody, that was 1500 ESPN's Derek Wetmore. So give give some thoughts on the Twins and uh, what a great uh, what a great uh, story about Pat Royce. So got another episode coming up here in about a half an hour. So stay tuned and thanks everybody.